0: Let us pray. Lord, this morning, open our hearts to your word. Pray as we leave here today, we'd be faithful witnesses of your gospel, encouraged to know that we're not alone. We have a body of believers here that is with us in the power of your holy spirit so we can live the Christian life. We thank you for this hope in Jesus name. Amen. Good morning. All right, we got all three screens working today. Um, as you probably heard uh, in the beginning, with my uh, a little mix-up there, I just got back from Honduras. Uh, it's the seventh year I brought students and adults from this community there in a row, and uh, you would think that after having gone there for so many times, that I would have it down, that I would, uh, you know, wouldn't have any issues. But what I've come to find out is that the mission trips that I've been on have been a reminder that I need help all the time. And I'll give you one example. Whatever enzyme that Hondurans and a lot of our group have to digest the food, I am lacking that enzyme. And uh, I remember like the third and fourth year I went there not having any problems, and I thought I had arrived. But um, no, I won't go into any detail, but um, I'll just let you know that, yeah, I'm lacking whatever it is that you need in your body to digest. Um, but that was very short-lived, and so uh, I survived. The other thing that it's a reminder of is that I'm not as young as I used to be. This particular town is up and down hills. We had a soccer night, and I found myself, with my hands on my knees, uh, breathing a lot. And, uh, you know, just enough to remind me that, you know, uh, I'm not getting any younger. And then the third and final thing that remind me of is that my Spanish is not getting any better, but... Uh, that shouldn't be any surprise, because I haven't worked on my Spanish since last year when I was there, so it, uh, but I do know how to order food in almost any restaurant I go to, so you learn the necessities, right? Um, so oftentimes in life, and I like to remind us this uh, on Sunday mornings, there are times when we realize, even the best of us, that we need help. Um, for many of us, uh, maybe that's when we have a sickness that comes to our family, or a relationship problem, or a financial problem or a a work issue, or a big storm like we had with Hurricane Matthew. Times when you know that you need other people to help you get through whatever obstacle or struggle that's going on in your life. But what happens sometimes, I've found, is that in people's faith, they try to do it on their own. And they think, you know what, I can just do this Christian thing, I can follow Christ, and I don't need anybody's help. And what it is, is they almost develop this personal faith in Christ that's very individualistic, but nothing wrong with a personal faith, but it's separated from community. So in other words, it's like the Lone Ranger kind of thing. I can do this faith thing on my own, and what I've found in my own life when I've tried to do that, and I know many others, is that is not sustainable. You can't do faith on your own. You're going to have struggles. You're going to have times when you need other people's help, and it's not even a biblical kind of faith. The other, uh, especially in the West kind of faith that I think that develops that is also unhealthy, is this utilitarian kind of faith. In other words, it's like you've reduced the Christian faith to this equation. If I just go to church, read my Bible, give some money, maybe go on a mission trip, I'll arrive as a Christian. I do that formula, and the, uh, the salute I'll have this peace, joy, happiness, a good marriage, financial security, people will like me. But the problem with this kind of faith is, again, it's not very scriptural, and what happens is, what happens when tough times come? When we have a moral lapse, or a relationship issue, a divorce or a breakup, family issue, financial crisis, or even like that storm I was talking about. Just going point A plus B does not always equal C in that. So this morning... I have bad and good news. The bad news is those kind of faiths don't work. But the good news is that a biblical faith in Christ, and we're going to look at it, it's very foundational. It's something we hear about a lot, but we need to be reminded about it over and over again. This biblical faith in Christ is the kind of faith that will last, that will sustain us even when we go through struggles. It will help us to be more uh, involved with community so that we can have a stronger personal faith. It's a faith that's not going to fade away like the latest fad. There's a show I like, this cartoon that my wife thinks is super annoying, and it's called King of the Hill. Some of you may have seen it. And Hank Hill is this uh, propane salesman in Texas, and he has this son named Bobby. And uh, Hank is kind of this old-school guy who's uh, very traditional. And this is a, a real episode that happened on it. One day, Bobby decides to go on this very, get involved with this very trendy youth group. The youth minister tries to act a little too much like a kid and not like an adult, and it's like a skateboard kind of ministry. And uh, um, the problem with the ministry is not the skateboarding, but the youth minister uh, has this big Christian music festival he wants Bobby to go on, but Bobby's dad and mom don't don't want him to go on it. He has some other responsibilities. But the youth minister encourages him, just go, don't listen to your parents, which is a problem, correct? And so anyway... He ends up going, gets in big trouble, and at the very end of the episode, Hank brings his son Bobby into the garage and brings out this box with all this stuff that he had from growing up, his like starter one jacket, his letter jacket, all these things like back from the 70s and 80s, and he said, you know, son, and he pulled out a Bible, he goes, I just don't want this Bible to end up in a box one day for you, to be a fad that you're going through." I want this, to, and basically, what he was saying is, I want this to be something that lasts in your life. So, this morning, I want us to talk about a faith that lasts. So, even for those who are seasoned believers, we can go back to the basics. We can continue to build on this foundation of a biblical faith in Christ. And we're going to take a, a better look at what this involves by looking at this uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. So the Colossians, like all the letters, was a very young church, and uh, in their, uh, they had a lot of struggles, much like you and I do, do today. But their struggles may have been a little different, but some of them are very similar. It's a very secular culture. They were, um, their faith was being doubted by many people. The philosophies of, of that day did not support a Savior like Jesus. The Jews in that area said, no, you need to obey the Old Testament laws. It's not found in Christ. And even the Jewish believers put doubts that Christ alone, it was Christ plus all these laws and rules. So in that, this early church was very insecure in who they were. So Paul, his whole goal in writing this letter is that they would find their identity in Christ. They would understand who they were and they would not waver in that faith. They would not diverge and end up with a faith that was watered down or a faith that would not last. See, in much the same way today, I feel like In our culture, obviously very secular, our faith is oftentimes being undermined by the culture. And when we, uh, and most people will say, uh, if they're not a believer, you know, that Jesus is fine for you. It's kind of like a buffet table. You pick Jesus, I pick this or that, and what's good for you is fine, what's good for me. And what happens oftentimes when we hear that over and over again, we become insecure and we lack confidence in our faith. And, and, and what occurs is we don't have a deep gratitude for what God has done. And what develops is oftentimes in our own life, we develop anxieties. And we're tempted to find security in something else besides Christ, something that does not last. So when Paul speaks to the Colossians, he's also speaking to us today. So I'm going to unpack that a little bit and we'll look at some other scriptures that bring about what's most important and how we develop a more solid biblical faith in Christ. And the first thing, as the title of my sermon goes, I want to remind you, and the Apostle Paul reminds through his writings and other writers in the New Testament, that Jesus is the catalyst that brought about our salvation. And what I mean by a catalyst is a catalyst is something that stays what it is and it changes everything else around it. Now, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not going to talk about this too much because you'll start seeing my ignorance on scientific terms like my wife is. But I know that like a koala bear, for example, can eat eucalyptic leaves, right? We can't do that because we don't have the enzyme to break that down and to make that nutritious for us. So that's an example uh, of the enzyme in the stomach, as I talked about Honduras, of something that doesn't change. Well, for us, as we look at this person of Christ, his life and his death on the cross and his resurrection were events that you cannot change what he did on the cross, but what he did impacted everything in the entire world. Paul writes, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all, to, to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus is the catalyst that brought about our salvation. The writer of Hebrews talks about the constancy of Christ, he said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And John writes uh, Jesus' words, quotes Jesus, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't say I am another way in the buffet table of choices. He doesn't say I'm another truth, or he doesn't say I'm another life choice for you. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he leaves that for us to decide whether that is true for us or not. So as we look at Jesus being the catalyst, Paul goes on to talk a little bit more why he is this constancy and he can be this constancy in our lives. First of all, he was there in creation. In Colossians, he writes, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So Jesus was there in the beginning. He wasn't an afterthought. We're like, oh, the world's pretty screwed up. Maybe i had to, you know, create Jesus and bring him into the world. No, he was there in the beginning. And on his cross, as I talked to you about how he made, paved the way for our salvation by what he did, the cross specifically brings forgiveness for sins and a right relationship to God and with each other. Paul writes, uh, verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. And he goes on to say this, I read that before, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But listen to this, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. So on, his, on the cross, he made, the, made it possible for us to, have salvation, have forgiveness for our sins so we can have access to God by completely giving himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Eugene Peterson writes when commentating on that, you don't walk away from a gift like that. Paul says if you continue in your faith, this will be a reality in your life. But Jesus didn't leave it there. He rose again Paul writes in in chapter 2, verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Jesus' resurrection, much the same way when we uh, baptize uh, an infant or an adult here and they go under the water, it's to symbolize death. And when they come out, it's to symbolize life. That for us, for believers, is a promise that eternal life is real, that this life is not just it, that we have the real hope of the resurrection. John writes, I write these things to you, believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life and you can have confidence when approaching God. So Jesus, the catalyst who brought about our salvation, this event changes everything, and especially for us who believe. So how does one become a Christian? How does one live into this? One of the best examples I've heard theologians say, it's like putting all of your weight on the promises of God. And for us in the South, we, I mean, I hate to use ice as an example, but I'm going to. If you've ever been on an icy pond, you kind of put one foot in to see if it's solid enough. And if you're really serious, you'll get a, one of those drills out and drill to see how deep the ice is. But once you know it's solid, then you're not afraid to be on it. And what I've found is once I looked into Christ, once I looked in the scriptures... I found out that my, it was, he, was, uh, he was enough. He would sustain my weight, all of me, he could handle. That he was the way, the truth, and the life. And when I found out that, I discovered that. I did not want to walk away from a gift like that. See, this gift that God has given us, first of all, it helps us to recognize that we can't do life on our own. Much the way in Honduras, I need help. It helps us to recognize that we are a sinner in need of a savior. Paul writes, "For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." See when we put our, uh, all of our weight on God's promises, it's recognizing that we can't do life on our own, that we're a sinner, that we need a savior. And that we understand that God demonstrates his own love for us than this, as, as the Apostle Paul writes, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This faith we put in him, it is not a therapeutic cure for all your problems. This is, the Bible is not some pop psychology book that's going to make you feel good for a minute. Just because you follow Christ, you're not going to have higher self-esteem or uh, going to be wealthy and happy all the time. But you well going to have this overwhelming sense that God is with you. He's going to put a body of believers to surround you to help you to do this biblical faith in Christ together, not on your own. It helps you to know that you're on the right path and you're not diverging off into something that's not going to last or something that's going to fall apart. You're not going to be thin on thin ice that you're going to fall through when you put your faith in Christ as it shows us in the Bible. So how do we grow in our faith? How do we are able to sustain this, establish this? Well, I think our faith is best described as a journey. Apostle Paul used journey metaphors all throughout his letters. And in Colossians, it's no different. He says, So then, just as you receive Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthen the faith as you are taught and overflowing with thanksgiving. Well, you don't really hear a journey metaphor in there, but if you read the King James, I love the way it says it here. It says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. This word receive, walk. It's a journey that we're going on with God. It's not a one-time decision where we just store it away. We root ourselves in him, and then he's able to grow in us good things, fruit for other people. He surrounds us with a body of believers so we can live out and have a faith that will last. You see, we have a personal creator who invites us into the community of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and also invites us into this community of believers so that when we have struggles, which we all will have, our faith will not fall apart because we have a wrong view of who God is. We'll understand that God is with us in this body of believers will help us with our struggles. And we'll also know that suffering grief doesn't have the final word. We have this real hope of eternal life. And we'll truly know, as it says that the psalmist writes in Psalm 62, truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. I'm doing a course in the fall on this book by Bob Goff that talks about uh, struggles. But if you opened up maybe the middle book or read his biography, you'd see a guy who was... Uh, a lawyer in San Diego who has his own pilot's license, who flies all over the world, has this vacation place in Canada. But when you start reading through the book, you see that he's not some Christian celebrity. He's just a regular person like you and I who has lots of uh, struggles. The house that he was talking about in the middle of his book burned down. You find that in the last chapter for no reason. The book that he was writing, someone stole the manuscript when he was visiting this homeless uh, mission in California. Here he was trying to do good things. And then something bad happened. But he challenges uh, the readers of his book that Christ is working even amidst these struggles. So as we uh, face these struggles together on this journey of biblical faith in Christ, we also have something very challenging. It can seem kind of daunting. Paul writes this, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, which is you and I, The glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope and the glory. So all of us are called to bring Christ to people, Christ in us, the hope and glory. And we may say, gosh, I'm not a very good person, or if people only knew, how many times do you think that? But yet God has called us to that, to bring Christ to everyone we meet. When I was uh, working with the Ministry of Young Life, uh, this pastor asked me and this other guy, well, how many kids have met Christ in your ministry? And we chimed in, well, all of them. And he's like, what are you talking about? And we read that verse, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, not all of them had responded, but everywhere we go, we're bringing Christ to people, even if we're not saying anything. And that's why our actions and what we do are so important. But again, we're not left on our own. We have the Holy Spirit that is encouraging us. We have the body of believers that's helping us if we diverge to stay on the right path, which helps us not to live carelessly, which helps us to be good stewards of this message. So this morning, I describe to you again what Christ has done on the cross for you. He died for your sins to bring you into a right relationship with God. When we put all of our weight on Christ's promises, that kind of faith will not fall apart. It's sustained by the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's sustained in community. And we're called to grow and establish ourselves in that so that we can be bearers of this uh, message to other people with Christ in you, the hope and glory. So I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you're feeling kind of lonely and disconnected. Maybe your faith, faith has gotten so personal that it's gotten disconnected from the body of believers and you feel like it's kind of fading away. Or maybe you're exhausted today, just things going on in your life. Maybe you bought into this kind of utilitarian faith where you've done all these right things. Why are good things not happening in your life? Well, my challenge to you all is to put your faith in the biblical Christ who's familiar with struggles who knows your pain, but promises that he's with you. He sent you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He sent you the gift of the body, uh, this body of believers who can walk through these struggles with you, can help you during these times when God seems distant. You know, I guarantee you, whatever you're going through, there's been people in this church who've gone through it as well. See, we're called to live this faith life together. It starts with a simple prayer, A one time prayer and a prayer every day that says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I need you in my life every day. I can't do this faith thing on my own. I need help. When we humble ourselves in this way, He'll lift us up so we can bring fruit and good things to other people. We can share this hope with all that we meet. This kind of faith is sustained in community, it's sustained through our prayer life and by immersing ourselves in Scripture. So we're reminded of this identity we have in Christ. See, we as a church are on a mission. And our mission is to be filled here every Sunday morning. Be filled with the Holy Spirit during the confession time to remind that we can't do faith on our own. To be filled as we have communion so that we can go out and have the energy, have the courage to share the hope we found in Christ with everyone we meet. And also, we come here so that other folks in this congregation that are struggling, we can be hope to them as we share our struggles together and we share the hope that we found in Christ. As we leave here today, I also want to encourage you to break the script. In other words, don't just go through the motions in life. Again, immerse yourself in prayer and God's word so that you can understand what God wants you to do. A uh, pastor once said that oftentimes in today's culture, instead of saying this is the day that the Lord has made, we say this is the Lord that the day has made. So we like to create God in our own image. But that never works. It breaks down quickly. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and follow him and see what he have us to do. I'll share just a couple uh, quick stories from our mission trips uh, that kind of relate to this. Um, first of all, we had a a trip we take every year, this surf retreat we take to Florida, and there's a lot of homeless people that hang around this whole area in Florida. And I always tell the kids, don't leave your stuff out at night because the homeless people will rake the church lawn at night and steal everything that's not bolted down, which is true, right? And I was kind of, and there was a homeless guy that was sleeping out one night, and I was like, I wish that guy would just get get out of here. He's probably dangerous. And the next day, one of our kids, uh, uh, We went to this ice cream place, and he bought uh, extra ice cream for this homeless guy he saw in the parking lot. I'd been so jaded, I just wanted them all to get out of our way because I didn't want our lives to be uh, inconvenient while we were there. And there, this student kind of broke the script of what I was saying and uh, cared for this guy who obviously had problems. On our mission trip to the Dominican Republic, we saw very abject poverty. I never heard the kids even notice it. They were too caught up in... uh, hanging out with the children and building these houses. They understood that uh, what Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. They were caught up in what the Lord was doing. They were living out this biblical faith of seeing people the way God sees them. You see, we all need those reminders as we leave here today to get out of the rut, the routine we may be in, to live out this biblical faith in Christ, to live out the values in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's have the courage to do that together this week as we walk out of here, as we walk in faith together. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you that we can't do life or faith on our own. The reason I thank you for that is it reminds us that you are there for us, that you're with us. I thank you for the blessing of relationships in our life, of people who are here and other believers that help us to stay on the right path, that help us to walk the faith, that help us with our struggles. This morning, we humble ourselves before you. I ask you uh, to come into our lives in a bigger way this week. Help us to open our hearts to you. I pray that any area where we've been jaded or we've uh, tried to push you away, we'd be open to you. I pray uh, also that we would know that you have called us to be your messengers, that Christ in us, the hope and glory, help us to be faithful to that. Lord, give us the strength this week. In Jesus' name, amen.